most painful thing. Okay, welcome to uh, What Most People Think, episode 105, and it's me, Jeff Norcott. Despite being 44 years old, I managed to get on the dance floor before the, the evil state will win their state vaccination, uh, apartheid, whatever kind of uh, word inflation you want to use on it, but uh, only for a couple of hours, but my feet did touch dance floor. And I'm speaking already to a man who looks surprised by this fact. It is the return of uh, Tom Walker, a.k.a. Jonathan Pye, back to co-host. Welcome back to the show, mate. Thank you very much. The return. I like that. It's, the return uh, of Pi. Well, I'm, I'm thinking of a really terrible pun for the title of this show. I mean, Pi squared, that's not even mathematically correct. That would have to be a third time back, wouldn't it? Or, or the previous time but three. Cubed, that would be the fourth. Pi cubed. I'm really terrible with pie puns. I, I, I uh, when I, uh, I, I started a production company to basically just filter all my money so that I don't have to yeah. pay as much tax, and uh, I had to come up with a, uh, you know, <laughs> and uh, I had to come up on the day with a name for my production company. When you call it, and uh, and I thought, all oh, right, okay, something to do with pie, something to do with pie. So I called it Slice Productions. And no, it was well, only yeah, like... that's grown up. That's classy. Oh. I would have gone it with. I would have gone with who doesn't love pie. <laughs> yeah, productions. Yeah, although yeah, that could yeah. be a good name for a tour, couldn't it? Uh, who yeah. doesn't love pie? Um, yeah, 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 mate. You are. I mean, let's get straight into it. You are finally going back out, like all of us. You're going back out with this tour. Um, you're currently doing warm-up gigs, and when is the first actual, real, proper live people in person? The day? real one is this Saturday. I don't know when this goes out. Saturday, uh, the, but it'll go out this uh, week. I mean, it's ah, so Wednesday today. I'll get Wednesday. out tomorrow morning. So, so Saturday is my first big gig in Birmingham, and then Sunday Sheffield. And once I've got those two out of the way, I'm sort of either I've hit the ground running, or I need to go away and rethink my life. Can, really can I quickly. ask you something? I don't know if you remember, like you probably don't do them so much now, but you know those like local radio uh, comedy interviews where they ask yeah. you exactly the same questions. So yeah. how do you keep rewriting all your material given that politics is always changing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I have to do that every time. And it's fine, but it is... It's the closest I've ever come to a press junket, but yeah. it's not like um, for a movie when you're in a nice hotel uh, at all. It's in a crappy little room in the BBC. And now we're going to yeah. BBC Midlands. And and the, th- the the ones are, it's the ones who are like smashy and nicey. And you're like, Jesus, these people really do still exist. You know? they, they, well, what they do, they tend to do is they tell you what com- they think comedy is. Now, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, Tom, but uh, for me, comedy is all about... The yeah, shared yeah, yeah, yeah. and you go okay. Right, why don't you just yeah. tell us all what comedy is, and I'll tell and you. Then, and and then it's like you know, I've actually I've actually um, hosted a couple of pub quiz nights, and uh, yeah. know, so I, I I know what it's all about. The timing, isn't it? Do you know? What I mean, mean yeah. you do get the impression that those guys watch Alan Partridge, and they just think, <laughs> what a twat. And they yeah, just I, you know, there's so, there's such a cooler way to be a local radio station DJ. I think there is, uh, yeah, there's no self-recognition there with any of them. It's probably the same with me. The, um, not that I not that I am particularly like any news reporters you can think of, but I, I, I wonder if they look at that and go, oh, yeah, that's that's not the way it is. Actually, quite a few reporters have said how accurate Pi is. So Yeah, I mean, uh, that's what I think, like all good satires, is, is, is close enough 
to be dangerously close. Like, I mean, we always mention the day today, but everyone remembers the first time they saw it or, or those that saw it go out. And it felt close enough to new to news that there was just a, a little uncertainty before you could decide it was a comedy show. And I think Pi has that too. Without a doubt. I mean, the thing with the day to day is, uh, I mean, it was extreme when it came out. I mean, it, it seemed like an extreme version of the news. Now you, you look at it and you go, no, that's pretty much what the news is like now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, um, one, one headline they had, I said, um, Richard Branson sweeps ocean floor with mechanical dog. And I think that he's sort of done that in a way. If, if the headline was alluding to... Uh, billionaires waving their dicks. I think he's kind of done that now. Sort of. There was there was a bit in the day today where it was uh, question time live from Wembley Arena. I remember which that. Was fucking hilarious. And then during the Brexit run up, they had yeah. an episode of Question Time from Wembley Arena. Yeah, yeah. And, and, it, I remember, I remember and you're like, they showed the panel and then they showed everybody moshing to the first answer. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. Yeah. Um, really did become a bit like that during the sort of, uh, well, well, the kind of febrile end of uh, Brexit debate. It became that, it became a bit rock and roll. I mean, some of the question times I did, like the, the punters arriving, you know, they, they were keyed up. I did one uh, in Barnsley and it was the day after the government had lost their first meaningful vote and Nikki Morgan, yeah. Morgan was on the panel and uh, she was one of the, the rebels against the vote. And, and they basically went for her in the warm-up question. So the warm-up question is supposed to be everyone speaks, gets a laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's about cannabis, like, should you legalise You know, a basic question. And Nikki Morgan gave a fairly sort of tepid answer. And they were like, you don't know what you're talking about, Morgan. All right? <laughs> <laughs> you could just see her face, like, recoiling. She thought, fuck, why did I come to Barnsley today? What is doing question time like? I think I would shit a brick. I yeah, think. I mean, it is. So the first time I did it, I perhaps was naive enough that, that I was nervous, but I didn't realise what kind of outcomes the show could have. Then yeah. once you've seen all the Twitter go out and stuff and and seen that it basically the gig isn't the gig. So what happens in the room is yeah. a kind of starting gun on just a load of other shit. Yeah. And then once you work that out, then, then that sort of raises the jeopardy. So maybe the second one I was a bit more nervous for. But, it, it, I mean, it is a bit like riding a roller coaster, that sort of a, uh, exhilaration. If you know when the thing comes down, you go, well, I've got to do it now. Yeah, yeah. You know when they release the lineups the night before and everyone calls you a cunt? That is the roller coaster moment. <laughs> you just... That's where I'm at with the tour right now. It's that moment where you just go in and go, and I'll get off yeah. in a couple of months. But... That there is that awful thing, especially live telly, which I've not done very much of at all. But you're talking, and you do have these com complete out of body moments where you oh, go, mate, just keep, yeah. talk, keep talking. You, you and, and you're monitoring yourself all the time, going, "That sounded smart. That sounded okay." You don't know where you're going now. And the first, yeah. the first live thing I did was this week with um, Andrew Neil and Portillo and. Um, uh what was her name that she was labor mp Liz um, kendall uh, yeah, yeah 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 and honestly i got on there i sat down i was shitting it i was amazed at how small this studio was yeah you know, one of those real real rookie tv moments and it's go, very oh, it's late small, at isn't night it? isn't it so it's all a bit it really is strange so yeah. I'd, I'd had to do a show that night i got a, a, a car to drive me to do this i was just like it was all a bit weird and then i sat down and andrew neil asked me a question and i didn't hear the question because oh, no. i was literally looking at his his hair follicles that had been done. <laughs> and it was like, oh my God, that's incredible. That's extraordinary. Didn't hear the question uh, and just 
just did a bit of sick, I think, really, a word sick yeah. for about a minute. You know, when you're going, this is, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah, well, it's that first um, rush of adrenaline that, that kind yeah. of muddies your mind, it clouds your mind. And it, it does tend to go. But then the problem is you want to make sure that what you said wasn't so bad that you then spend the next three minutes of clarity reflecting on what the fuck did I just yeah, say? Yeah, that was that. I, I, I still can't watch. That interview was out there somewhere on YouTube. I can't I mean, I, I've just... never, I mean, I've heard of all the this week ones that went badly and I haven't heard of that one. I'm in, If anything, I'm a bit of a connoisseur of them. Oh, yeah. It, was, it, was, it wasn't even so bad. It was good. It was just this blathering idiot trying to sound smart. That's which, okay. to be fair, which to be fair is what everyone on that sofa sounds like. But but also you work out, which I haven't done for this, so I apologise. But you work out very quickly that you need to have something to say before yeah. you before they go and you're on. You know, which I didn't do with that. I thought, oh, well, we'll just chat shit. Um, yeah. So that the other t- the ne- the next time I, I did GMTV, which was awful because you have to be up at four in the morning, so I didn't Ugh. sleep that night. Yeah. So I was on that, you know, that weird when you've had twenty minutes sleep, kind of that was really surreal. But, but do you not find that sometimes those weird twenty minutes sleeps, it's you can't be nervous because it doesn't feel like it's happening. I had oh, that absolutely when I was doing the, when I was promoting the documentary about class, I was due on the couch with Nagamanchetti about like eight a.m. Yeah. And yeah. I just was, I was so worried about it. Like for, actually for weeks leading up, it's live telly and it was yeah. a real kind of money shot for promo. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I got there and I was just like, this doesn't feel like it's fucking happening. Do you know what I mean? And she's, yeah. and she's like very nice and stuff. And I just chatted for seven minutes. I thought, I wonder why that was so worried. But the thing about Andrew Neal is he's got this reputation. I mean, if you get the sense that he sort of likes you, that helps. And I would imagine that I, he, I, might, I, I, he might have I, been predisposed to you. No, I think... He's a fucking professional to mm. know when this could turn into really bad telly. Yeah. And after about a minute, he said, so what you're saying is, and mm. he clarified, he basically made my question a lot yeah. shorter. And from that moment on, I've had a little bit more respect for Andrew Neil, perhaps more than I should, because it was like you you realised this was going badly. You, you pulled me out of it, went to Portillo for a minute so that I could find my... Yeah. And then he came back to me and I was like, thanks, mate. Thanks. See, so, this is your problem, Tom. Having positive feelings about people on the right, this is not... Yeah. A, you can't be a left-winger anymore. Someone's going to have to revoke your fucking badge, mate. This is Yeah, sorry about that. So, uh, someone, I did an interview with one of these um, junkets the other day and they said, because they, obviously they get the bullet points about yeah. me. And it's clearly a bullet point from some time ago where... And they were like, and you're a member of the Labour Party? And I was like, oh, I don't... Do you know what? I don't know if I am anymore. And mm. I was just thinking, going, kind of going, I don't think I've paid my subs for a bit. But to admit that on a, on an interview, it sounds like no, no, I, I'm not a Labour voter anymore. I, it's just yeah. like, no, I just I just stop paying my subs. Yeah, man really. behind Jonathan Pye slams Labour Party, and then and then you get all the Navarra lot going. See, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah I can't wait to be defunded. Oh, the irony. Uh, <laughs> we're just going to welcome our new patrons to the show. So we just got a couple of format bits here. Um, I always what I do, Tommy, is that I mention their names and then we take the piss out of their names as to what okay. they might sound like. So we've got Michael Whitaker, who I think is quite on brand for this show, who does sound. Like an ITN regional reporter, without a doubt. Or I was going to say, sort of a, a backbench MP. 
yeah, embroiled yeah. in some sort of weird sort of I don't know. You yeah. remember in the eighties where all the Tories were found sort of wanking oh, with oranges pervert, in their mouth? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's Whitaker for you, Michael yeah. Whitaker, the right honourable Michael Whitaker. <laughs> Michael Whitaker, orange in mouth. Yeah, well, I'm very glad you paid the money. <laughs> <laughs> very glad you paid the money now, Mike. Uh, and then we've got John Waiting, which I mean, I do let's, get. Let's hope names. he isn't. Um, John Wait- <laughs> Mr. Waiting, you know, it might be like is you know, in cricket, where sometimes if you hit a shot but you don't want to take a run, you're waiting. And that do they is- do that? Yeah, 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 they do. And then some of them do it so defiantly, you actually feel annoyed at the other end. It's like they've taken too much pleasure in telling you not to take the run. You're like, okay, mate, there's ways and ways of saying it. Maybe I'm a bit sensitive, Tom. <laughs> maybe, maybe. It's it's just it's just a game. It is just a, well. Look, I, look. I don't want to get into that. We're in this okay. week of all weeks when cricket is. My 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 dad is a huge cricket fan, and so I'm one of those. I'm one of those people that sort of defies their parents. Yeah, in, a, in very little ways. So uh, I think yeah, it's I'm important not... that you remind me of this because I've got to stop watching cricket because my son's six, and it's so important for me to that he loves it that I'm willing to maybe not watch it for a while. Give so, it a, when he's about ten. Give it sort of four or five years. Yeah, nothing. just associate it with like with really something really positive, like yeah. just hug him the whole. No, then it'll associate with something bad. Um, <laughs> Sven, Sven Taylor, which could be made up, or that is a very strange sort of Swedish well, marriage going on there. You know, like sort of quite a lot of people from sort of East Asian heritage, they have yeah. a really British name like Jeff, yeah, and then a really obvious like a Wang. Yeah, you know, so maybe it's sort of the Scandinavian equivalent of that. Sven Taylor, also two England managers there, so maybe this person is pranking me. Um, so welcome to uh, all VIPs. Thank you so much for your support. As this goes out, Patreon would have done their monthly payment run and just randomly cancelled some accounts, which is really helpful from a business point of view. So if you want to be still remain part of the Patreon uh, community, then then just check your account and make sure that it's still active. Uh, the cuss count now. The cuss count. I don't know if you remember this from last time, Tom. But uh, we, yes. keep, we keep a running log of uh, both my swearing and people appearing on the show. You, you're on one episode, you put in a very healthy effort, which was 13 in one episode, which is really good. 13 fucks. 13, uh, well, 13 swears generally. Okay. Uh, and by the way, any swears in this discussion are excluded from the main uh, from the main count. However, if you really want to challenge the, the person at the top of the leaderboard, who is Romish Ranganathan, he's done three episodes, I think, and he's on 26 and a half. So if my maths... B- between correct, the three? Between the three? He's an average of 26 and a half swears an episode. Ah, okay. Right. Which, is, which is pretty high. So based on crude maths, I think you would need to be essentially treble in your 13 to be up at that level, if I'm not mistaken. Just written a little note here which mm. says fuck Romash. So Okay, that one counts. Yeah. That one okay, counts. great. We're yeah. up and running here. We just run a, like just like cricket, <laughs> we run a single. Um so before we get into the show today, we were talking about uh sort of Afghanistan, Biden, maybe a bit on vaccine passports, maybe a little bit on Keir Starmer if we've got time. Uh but just um I don't know if you got my text, but uh, about a sort of thank you and a fuck you, a little minor thing that you're grateful for and something that you're not so grateful for. Well, I'm grateful to be going back on tour. That's yeah. that is for sure. Um, how do you? How long do you think that gratitude will last? Till you're in fucking Dudley on a Wednesday. Yeah, I got I got some stinkers coming up. That's for sure. But, <laughs> but um, no, um, no names. Stop. No, of course not. Of course not. 
Stoke isn't selling, actually. So fuck Stoke. Yeah. Um, this is so- what I do is where I'm not selling, I tend to insult those places as a strategy to hope yeah. they get so annoyed that they'll buy tickets. I'm not sure if that's a good business strategy, but that's the way I play it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So fuck Stoke. That's what we're saying. We're saying I'm looking forward to going okay. on tour, but um, I but the negative one is, is Stoke-on-Trent. Well, there you go. They're both combined in the same thing. Exactly. exactly. The government for allowing me out briefly and fuck Stoke for not taking that opportunity. Okay, <laughs> uh, let's crack on with the politics chat for this week. Okay, I'm just interested to uh, get your take on this, Tom. Um, you know, what's happened... Uh, in Afghanistan. I mean, we've, I don't know sort of where to start. I mean, one of the things that's been discussed a lot is the amount of kit that the Americans have left behind. I mean, I, I, I bet you my first flat share, I thought I left quite a lot of shit there, but um, I don't recall leaving any kind of weaponry that could be used against me. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's so off the map, isn't it? Do you know yeah. what I mean? And, and like you've had a wee while to plan this one. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah. and, uh, and, and, you know, I mean, it's quite interesting sort of looking back and you kind of go, I mean, Trump laid this path for us. Mm. Right. So you can, you know, a lefty like me, of course, we're going to lay some blame at, at Trump, but uh, how the biggest military might on the planet and the smartest intelligence agency on the planet couldn't mm. have just worked this out. Okay. I mean, because I mean, it's not like you can fly aircraft out of a country, is it? I mean, come on. But you know, <laughs> could but you also, not found a friendly UAE state where you've gone? Look, we got quite a lot of Blackhawks there. We just dump them there. We'll, we'll get a cruiser around. We will pick them up. We're not just going to fucking leave them there. I mean, I, I'm probably being way too simplistic, but I would think that whatever your logic is, you don't end up leaving that much expensive stuff in another country. But also, there, there is losing a war. Yeah, and then there's losing a war running away literally running away as quickly as you can because you didn't really think ahead mm. and now we are now negotiating with the taliban to kind of go can we get any more it's like it's totally in their hands yeah and piles of tanks and fucking mm. um i mean it's not even just like oh some sites some you know some semi-automatic handguns yeah. it's piles of machine guns. Will they, in fairness to the Yanks, right, will they be able to work them? And I'm not, I'm not, this isn't a comment. I mean, it's quite well known that Taliban on one end are very organised and professional and on the other end, there's a kind of like more, more rural sort of militant edge. I, I'm, I'm not sure, are they going to be able to hotwire a Black Hawk down? You know what I mean? Some of these armoured troop carriers, is it simply a case of, you know, one of their mechanic mates, you know, the, the, the Taliban's engineering division just hotwires the whole fleet? You uh, YouTube. Just YouTube it. Yeah. That's, that's what I would do. Uh, anything. How to hotwire an F-17. But the, but the thing is, like all YouTube how-to videos, it would be annoyingly fucking long at the beginning. Really it, long. It, 10 minutes guy, of unboxing. Yeah. It'd be some guy going, hey, guys, thanks for checking in. So yeah. today, but before that, I just wanted to know, there's no before, mate. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't like forget that. Subscribe and like, keep coming back for more. It's your boy, like mate. You're not my fucking boy. Yeah. All I need to know how to do is is cancel my Audible subscription. 
And also, yeah, just that. That's all it is. And also, yeah. I just want to do that. I'm never going to return to your YouTube page. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think that yeah. they've slightly built up their part. I mean, one thing that was astonishing about the whole thing is the the, the Taliban PR being slicker than the, the sort of Western effort. I mean, I, I think we're sort of overlooking the fact that they are often sitting in conferences with, with weaponry. I think that journalists are going to be reasonably compliant when there's weaponry on the stage. There was a guy, there was a guy yesterday, a newsreader with two Taliban next to him on either side with machine guns, and he's there going, you know, um, telling the country not to panic. There's nothing to worry about, and you're like, the visual there is sort of telling me something else here. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, also um, it's potentially the potential punishment for panicking. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. They put a gun to your head, and if you look worried, then they'll kill you. Um, we, we've it's... got one way of stopping you panicking, guys, just so you know, and you will never panic again. I mean, <laughs> they also sort of trolled the West, didn't they? They they were asked yeah. a question about freedom of speech, and then they mentioned Facebook's issues. I mean, can yeah. it sink any lower for the West? I mean, it's it's topsy-turvy, isn't it? I mean, the whole world is, is, is topsy-turvy. You've got the Taliban, uh, you know, throwing shade on Facebook, um, do you know what I mean? And, and uh, it's like, uh, and also you, you, they have slightly won the right to take over that country in the sense that America, the way we exited mm. was just so bad, you'd, you'd, they, they'd sort of be mad not to. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's, so it's like, it's, it's completely an own goal from our point of view um, that, I mean, I didn't see it coming because I'm, I only pretend to be uh, sort of up to breast with the news. Do you know what I mean? I knew that Trump had done this deal with the Taliban. Yeah, yeah. And then, I, and then I knew in about six months, a year's time, troops would leave. And then not long after that, I guessed, I thought the Taliban would, but do you know what I mean? But I didn't, I no, didn't no, know this, right. I didn't know this news was going to happen, but our fucking government must have known. Mm. Um do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, and they, no, they I must wonder just... if that's an interesting point, is who was saying this in advance? So one, the government is morally incumbent upon them to know, but if you really want, um, you know, Twitter credibility, if you've got a tweet where before the pullout fell apart, where you said words to that effect, yeah, get that out there. Because yeah, I, yeah. Didn't, I didn't see fucking anything, you know, and, and I, I, it's the same as you, I was vaguely aware that the Americans had set this timeline <laughs> timeline to leave i mean one of the things is like you know be, being called a, like a defeat in a formal term i mean when you sort of sort of occupy a country for that long i mean I don't, it's not a, de a defeat in, in in a conventional sense of the word and some people were pointing yesterday to the the improvements in living standards and kind of liberal you know things that we judge as important girls going to school uh life expectancy you know certain things like that so in that period those, those metrics all, all went up so I don't know, but, whether... it's, but, but but that's a, that's um, a moot point. If in two years' time you go back there and it's the mm. girls don't have any, yeah, you know, it's almost like we've um, you know uh, shown them the, the other the high life, yeah, the, the, the high life, and now they've got to go kind of go. I know go, you mean go backwards. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, yeah, but is, I mean, is it I, worse to have sort of like is it worse to have never had the opportunity to go to university and then be sort of halfway through a degree? in English literature at the University of Kabul and then be told, oh, by the way... Well, it, it uh, depends. Now, now, uh, you're not, you're, that's your new husband. It depends if uh, they're making you do Thomas Hardy 
in which case you go fuck it yeah oh, it's a complete mercy you jab me up right now please <laughs> do you know what i mean um but I, th- I think i think what is also interesting is that you'd assume if we were going to leave afghanistan mm. after a particular amount of time that you go there's a certain amount of mission in- mission accomplished which you're you're implying it is certainly the case but what you can what you can sort of take from the way that they left is <clears throat> You know, they're surprised at how quickly the Taliban took over, right? Which mm. means they knew the Taliban would take it over. They knew they were leaving and they expected mm. within 18 months the Taliban to come back in and uh, with, uh, girls to not have any more education and for it to just go back to the dark yeah. ages in some respects. So that was, that was the plan, but it just happened quicker. Yeah. So the plan always was to just abandon the fuckers to get on with it because we're we're done there. And and in so many respects, I think Biden is right to go. There's no good time to move out to pull out. And if you make a, a choice to go, there's nothing we can do here. This is this is a war from decades ago where we're not achieving much. We need to pull them out. And mm-hmm. Trump had given him that choice. Do you know what I mean? In in a way, it was sort of a had it been handled better, this was a golden opportunity for him to pull everyone out going, this was Trump's idea, but I'm not going to renege on it. If he'd have done it well, he could have come out of this looking all right. But the plan always was move out in a year's time when Afghanistan starts becoming really shitty. We'll go, it's got nothing to do with us, but it didn't quite turn out. I mean, are we kind of, let's just flip it around. You know, if this had been kind of Biden's plan and executed this badly by by Trump, I mean, we can't, I I know what you mean. I know that Trump uh, initiated this, but, but one that we remember that Trump in the early part of his presidency signed a hell of a lot of executive orders, you know, to, to change things or renege on things. So, so does like, is it important perhaps for political comedy in the satirical world for Biden to own this as much as is reasonable? Because absolutely, and, and, Absol- and the absolutely. sentimental nature of it, which was that the troops would be out by September the eleventh. I mean, that that in a way is a problem. If he just picked like a random, like it's September the 9th, or you know, the, the fact that then it was clearly manufactured towards a, a PR win. I mean, which all makes it all fucking the more um, ironic is that like it's really important that all those years of going for Trump and comedians, you know, on all sides did that and justifiably so, it's now Biden's turn. And he is sort of, Trump often was in trouble for saying bad things. Biden's done a thing, you know. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and I t- definitely take your point about going, if we were in a situation now where Biden a year ago, blah, 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 and Trump yeah. had done this, we'd go, uh, yeah, so it, it's Biden's fuck up, definitely. But Trump actually, would have said I, uh, something really bad while it was happening, though. That's the yeah, difference. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the difference. Trump I mean, the, the same right thing, now, but then he would have cracked a gag about burkas or something. Without a doubt. I mean, right now you've got Biden looking at his watch, which actually, if you watch it in real time, it's like it's yeah. the briefest of split seconds, and he forgets himself. Do you know what I mean? But that's the worst sort of. He fell asleep as well, didn't he, during a, a meeting with the Israeli Prime Minister? Who wouldn't? Dull yeah. as fuck. Dull as fuck. I mean, I think that's the thing. One, I, I think the firing pistol has now started for, for certainly for me on Biden. Do you know what I mean? Um, I mean, him falling asleep. I mean, I think the thing is, is, is we all knew how old he was when he was elected, and I think we were just we were so desperate. Um, not in just an orange man bad kind of way, but was so desperate for Trump to go 
Do you know what I mean? That we kind of went, yeah, he's really old, but it's not Trump, you know? And the problem is, is I really do think his age is, it's not his age, how old he is. Because there are some 90-year-olds who can do backflips. But, do you but, know but what is I mean? that but not like... The, the, you know the exception, you know, when you, you hear about a smoker that died of lung cancer at a certain age, and then they go, but you know old Jean smoked 80 yeah. a day till she was 90 yeah. ago. Yeah. Yeah, I think Jean's the exception. I think most yeah. <laughs> I think most blokes yeah. Joe Biden's age are doing exactly what Joe Biden's doing, which, I mean, don't get me wrong, for his age, he's doing pretty well. I wouldn't trust a relative that age with the fucking shopping list. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. This is what I find terrifying about, and I'm probably a bit sexist against men here, but the amount of old men in politics... And, you know, there's a possibility that if Trump runs again, Trump is then going to be the age that Biden is now. I, I, honestly, I know this is really contentious, but it's like driving. I, I, I don't think that, I don't think people of that age should be allowed. Or, or well, the, they, the, but they, they, they should be if they can demonstrate that they're smart and quick and... Uh, they should be tested you know, more regularly, like driving tests, you know, like you get a test every couple of things. Maybe they see how big, you know, the old pillbox that older men have to have. Once, yeah, Joe, yeah, Biden, yeah, yeah. once Joe Biden's like can't fit on his desk, you're like, okay, mate. It's time to go. Yeah. It's got, go, go, it's, there is a bit of that. In, 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 a, in a completely different way to Trump, who didn't seem senile, he just seemed... Well, just otherworldly, really. Yeah, like I mean, skittish, narcissistic. He had a lot of yeah. personality stuff going on, but I think that yeah, I, just... I mean, I think I, th I think we've gone from you know toddler in chief to the opposite ends of the extreme. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, kind yeah. of the grown up and, is and, back and, in the room, but the grown up is so grown up. He he's yeah, yeah, he's really it's a bit too grown up. Uh, just one last thing on the Afghan thing before we move on. Did you see all this stuff about pets being left? I mean, it's one of the things. Yeah. Like, I, I love the British, right? I'm very patriotic. I love this country. But I've never, ever understood the prioritisation of animals over humans that sometimes goes on. You know, there are a lot of people. In, when you look at what what kind of legacies get left to charities versus, versus child, like animals charities versus children's charities, it's fucking insane. And, and the side of that that came off with people going, those... Those poor dogs being left out there. Those poor dogs. Look, it'd be great if we could get every fucking cocker spaniel home. But yeah. I'm go I'm going to go out on an on a limb here, Tom, and say I think that adult women and men should get on the plane first. There I you think go. so. Lord strikes again. And you can bring a you can bring a small toy dog or a budgie if <laughs> if but nothing no more. Um, <clears throat> I, I read it and I, and and the the. Uh, the cynic in me immediately just thought, this is just a story. This is just mm. a, how do we find a a cutesy sort of story mm. that isn't about a humanitarian disaster? Well, the only way to do that is to suddenly not look at the humans. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it, it did seem a bit weird to me I, I have to say and and that that is the thing that captured our imagination that's the story of the oh. week and you go the, like... the story of the week is we we've left thousands of people who helped us out for 20 years to get yeah, tortured by the taliban yeah. i mean that that should be i mean and it, it is the story of the week, obviously but i mean it's like yeah. that's the, the 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 animals bit is the thing that sticks with us so there is something in our human nature i think where we go oh fuck the humans 
Um, well, there's like that famous you know painting, I mean? isn't there? Of the, you know the the battle scene in the First World War, and like there's a dead horse there, but there's hundreds of dead men. But like, yeah. if you show that to a lot of people, they would go, "That poor horse." And you go, oh, yeah. "That's fucking poor men." You go, but the horse never asked to be there. You're like, you have heard a conscription, right? But you know how but conscription works. But it's it's like um any if you look at any disaster movie, there is always a trope where there's it's normally a dog in danger at some point and it is because because if you're making a disaster movie it's the only way to get the humans watching it to go oh no do you know what i mean if it's thousands of people getting slaughtered by a fucking earthquake or a tsunami we're like yeah fucking popcorn fucking love it (laughs) the minute there's a dog it's like oh my god now we're emotionally invested you know um well no that that's really interesting i didn't think about that about kind of an attempt to switch focus that kind of exposed deep kind of uh, a moral hypocrisies but i think maybe the way to get all these dogs back is, is if one of these corporals said that he had like twenty thousand support animals maybe that would be the way to do it yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay so uh, i know that this vaccine passport thing has been going on um for a while but I, i'm interested in in the way that you think so as things stand I, the government had kind of gone quiet on vaccine passports for nightclubs and kind of crowded big spaces but they, they've recently uh, reaffirmed their commitment for it i thought they would just let it kind of um, um, drift away especially with the, the evidence and a couple of people have emailed me about this is that is that the vaccine i didn't say that the vaccines don't stop transmission at all but just that the effect has not been as much as was was kind of hoped so what do you think about vaccine passports for, for any public spaces? Well, I think they have been relatively inevitable in one shape or form for some time now. Um, so I've got my head around the idea, certainly. I think the government are oddly being pretty smart in the sense that they are keeping fairly quiet about it. They're implying that they're going to do some enforcing. And it seems a bit weird to me that it's just nightclubs or mm. just these very specific sectors. But what they're doing by that is they're putting that idea out there. And what it will end up being, I think, is establishments will make up their own rules, which means it negates us you know, shouting at the government because mm. it's not um it's a bit like when face masks for ages they weren't sort of mandated so it was your personal yeah. choice kind of thing and and i mean i i'm the civil libertarian in me of course goes what what do you mean i need to have a medical procedure before i can get into this cinema yeah. do you know what i mean i mean of course and yet the performing comedian who earns a living through going into uh, theatres and people buying tickets, uh, you know, the goes, bring them on, because I need my... So it's one of those real weird ones, which I do rarely find myself in, where my moral... My moral compass and my 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 politics is really being outweighed by the reality of... I've got to get people into theatres, otherwise I'm going to go bankrupt. <laughs> do, you, do you know I mean, what I mean? I mean one thing so, to say about nightclubs is that they are, I think, I mean, broad, broadly speaking, I'm, I'm like you, it's, it's a tricky one, but broadly speaking, I'm against it. However, when I went to a nightclub on Friday, I'd been in there uh, about an hour and I'd had two shots of tequila and I had hug, hugged a stranger. Yeah. So they are a unique space, potentially. They are. Everyone kind of thought it was weird. So I think that there is 
truth in that. But what I'm just struggling to understand, and if anybody wants to put the information in front of me, is the evidence that suggests uh, that the vaccines in general have a strong effect on stopping transmission. Now, now what they might do, I think, is that they reduce viral load, I guess. Which, I mean, God, and who the fuck thought we'd be talking about this shit? Two viral years? load. It sounds yeah. like a sort of a porny, kinky kind of... I yeah. might look that up. What a viral <laughs> load. Yeah, okay. a mutant variant strain of load. <laughs> <laughs> I think they had a different room for that in the club. But I, I just... I just think it's going to be tricky if the num this is the problem right if the numbers don't fully back it up like it's unequivocal i think that then what you get is you get a lot of people like us in the middle for in one way or the other with reservations but then you get the this full-on anti-vax movement and this is where they've been able to gain traction is that the government have done and said yeah. things that were either hyperbolic or to instill fear or plain fucking wrong or they've had to contradict themselves. And I just think on this one, because the line that it crosses in terms of civil, civil liberties is so important, argumentally, they need to get their ducks in a row more than ever. Yeah, yeah. I know I agree with you. And, and, and like you say, with, with an absence of, you know, surety, is that a word? You know, it, it's like when, when, when with the face masks thing, it took them three months to go, yeah, maybe you should wear a bit of cloth across your face in Tesco Metro. And yeah. even if the science ends up being wrong, it's, better to be safer than sorry right yeah yeah but within that also, but within that three four months of flip-flopping mm. or everyone had already made everyone who hates face masks had already made their their mind up that oh well it doesn't work it's all a load of bollocks because of this absence of this is what we need to do it's, it's a real weird one isn't it that we're talking about civil liberties and we're almost begging the government to be a bit firmer yeah. with what it thinks as opposed to being like, hey, let's it's personal choice. Because actually, if we've learned anything over the last couple of years, it's that if you leave the general public as a mass up to its own devices, they behave like fucking idiots. Well, I know, do you know what I mean? Well, I know a lot of people that feel like this. And, and I've got to be honest, sometimes I see things and I... But the you look at the data of since this big unlocking happened, right, and they removed restrictions and what was predicted versus what's happened. And the numbers in England are starting to go down again. Uh, Hospitalisations in England are going down again. So there might be... The problem is, is that the, the people that exhibit a lack of personal responsibility are the, the clips that you're going to see, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> no one's going to show, like, a, a clip of everybody being really respectful, mostly wearing face masks in co-op. So, yeah, yeah. so I, I, I think that... I think I, I tend to, on the whole, take a more optimistic view of mankind. But any experience with a city centre makes it hard to hold that line. Absolutely. You've moved out of central London, haven't you? Yeah, well, I live in Cambridgeshire and stuff. And round okay, here, so it's all right. But when I go back into cities, I just... Yeah. Well, you know, this is the funny thing about, about London, right? This is a slight tangent. Of course, London people, notoriously more woke, more left-wing and stuff, more likely to wear face masks on public transport because it's for other people, as we're always told. And definitely yeah. not because they don't want to get ill, right? Um, and then, yeah, then I was on a train in London and, and the train door shut, right? And there was a kid there and he was about 11. I, was, I would have said he was on the spectrum a bit at the way that he reacted. But basically, he was shut on the train and his mum was on the platform and he freaked the fuck out, right? Like, literally was screaming, blood curdling to the point where I thought there was some sort of terrorist atrocity happening behind me and so like the train was getting ready to move out leaving his mum there and the next stop wasn't for miles 
So I went over, this is a bit of a fucking hero story, it turns out, a bit of a humble break. But I went over and just pulled the emergency thing. And there was all these people standing around with face masks on, you know, all looking like the kind of people that talk about caring and doing things for other people. No one fucking did a thing. No, 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 no. And so I I kind of thought, I I thought, I really hope that one of you, and this was my fantasy, had seen me on like doing political comedy and thought, what an evil, selfish bastard. And, <laughs> yeah. I felt like, and I thought, yeah, but when it came down to it in real yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Guess who's strapped on a fucking cape? But also, you know, with, with vaccines, I, I, I get it. I get that people go not wanting it. It's been really interesting, actually. My mum and my sister both live in Sydney, in Australia, right? And yeah. they're both smart, and they're both, you know, um, what smart. And both of them have been really... Uh, well, we're all anti-lockdown, but do you know what I mean? We're all, you know... Um, and both of them sort of had to be slightly persuaded to take the vaccine. But what's really weird is if I've been looking at Australia a lot and it's like two people sneeze in Perth yeah. and Melbourne and Melbourne locks down. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's like, so they're, they're in constant lockdown, but they're seeing like one person died last month. And you're like, okay, can we go to work now? Do you know what I mean? And yeah, yeah. so it, that, that's been really interesting to see how, a lot of people I know, because I know quite a few people in Australia who are smart and liberal, as for, in, in my sense mm. of the word, uh, um, who are what you would just, if they were over here talking the way they're talking, you'd go, these are anti-vaxxer nutjobs. Well, no, I think you it's know what I mean? an point that you've made, and it has made me question myself in that, you know, normally being anti-vax when it came to uh, what the MMR vaccine, it was it was it was all associated with being cranky. Whereas, I, as you say, I know <laughs> I know smart people that have really gone full on into the anti-vax thing. So, yeah. with every opinion I have, I really test check myself because I don't want to. I think well, a lot of smart people are thinking this, and I think that there's there's a threshold of of a number of people that think something where you have to give it attention. But like everything in politics, I mean, I know I repeat this like a fucking scratch record. You have to take a lot of imperfect decisions in life. That's what yeah. I think. You know, whether it, whether it comes to who you vote for or whether ultimately you have the vaccine. And for me, taking the vaccine was an in, yet another imperfect decision, right? Yeah. It, it was like, you know, and when it comes to the the Australians, I mean, I'm not surprised in a way that they're acting like, I've seen fucking Border Force, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> maybe that oh, was the man, yeah. I've, I've seen what they're like when Chinese people try to bring in unsanctioned dude, mushrooms. Dude, you should see what they're like <laughs> when a British person brings an opened jar of Marmite uh, into the country. They go skits seriously your head, um, head down on the fucking uh, yeah uh, on the x-ray machine i mean for me it wasn't a, even a decision it was just a no-brainer for me i mean and this is what i said to my mum when she was sort of having doubts about it in one breath she's there going i'm sick to death of lockdown i'm sick to death oh i'm not gonna take the i'm thinking about not taking the, the vaccine mm. and you just go but it's the only way out of it even mm. if it's all bullshit the government, you know, that yeah. once we've all got stamped in the arm, we can all go about our daily business. And it's like, it's like this, it's like um you, you've got to sort of give up a little bit of this civil liberty to get the majority of these back. Well, you know yeah, I mean? no, maybe maybe I'm being a bit up too optimistic about the whole thing, really. But, but no, no, um, I, I know you mean it's almost yeah, there's a pragmatism there, which is well, yeah, for whatever reason, the government definitely think that they're not gonna unlock until there's this is met. And 
And then the problem for me is that most other Western countries have gone down this route. Now, it might be that they're all wrong, right? That might be proven in, in the fullness of time. But the fact that they all seem to have chosen roughly the same course of action, uh-huh. again, brings it down to me to, you know, taking the vaccine for me it, it, it is, 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 is a lean towards doing it. Vaccine, uh, vaccine passports would be, again, a, a lean in the other direction. But what, what I do, I'm suspicious of is, is fucking certainty. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you mean. As it's interesting like, that, that idea where you, where you just mentioned sort of the, the idea of being pragmatic about it. And I think quite often in politics, which there is a political sort of, um, you know, view on vaccines, if you see, not a party yeah. political view, but do you know what I mean? But but quite often in politics, when you even when you're in the voting booth, you, you're you're voting because of your beliefs and what mm. you want for the future, and you think you might be a millionaire, but you think socialism is a great idea generally. So you're going to yeah. vote against your best interests, maybe. But in this instance, because it's to do with our health and because we've lost our freedom, that pragmatic thing. Is is much stronger. Do you know what I mean? Than mm. just voting on an ideal or behaving because of an ideal. And just talking briefly, I mean, this is very, very brief. Just because I mentioned it at the top of the show, um, is about Keir Starmer. He just had a poll out that his net favorability rating is is minus thirty nine now. Paul Mason once said. That if, if a Labour leader went below minus 30, then it should trigger an automatic leadership election. Um, just really quickly, what, what is your take on him? I mean, is he that bad? I mean, is he's, he, he, he's not that bad, mm. but he's just not. He's had a what? How long has he been there now? Uh, uh, so it's April 18 months last year, he became okay. leader, I think. Yeah. 18 months, maybe, let's say, best part of. Uh, he hasn't made any impression whatsoever, right? I think what's really interesting. You, you know, I mean, whatever you thought of Corbyn or whatever you think of Blairism or whatever, you know, most people don't think about those things. And mm. what he hasn't done is captured, uh, you know, the imagination of anyone. I think uh, I, I read in I read the paper yesterday that uh, apparently uh, uh, Labour are trying to have a st- staff cutbacks. So they're trying to get some redundancies. Yeah, and lame two people. and two of their Labour trade unions are going to take Labour to court if they do it. So we're in a, talking about this sort of topsy-turvy world we live in. You've got the trade unions about to possibly go to war with Labour. Um and they, they've never the problem with Labour is Brexit destroyed them and they've mm. never recovered. Um, because you've still there's still a Labour Party that there are still members of that party still going well maybe we should just have another referendum and try and get back into the European Union mm. but you just like you still fuck into that's why you don't that's why you don't win anything because you're but still you, talking about it you know um, you there's an argument that, that Labour so their stance under Corbyn and and fair play to him that like you knew I mean he should have been honest about what he thought about the EU but yeah. He, he does respect democracy, I think. And, and his stance was to honour like a meaningful uh, sort of implication of the Brexit vote. Should they have stuck with that no matter what? Like, so their fear was, oh, we'll lose voters to the Lib Dems. That would probably have only been temporary. What they wouldn't have had, had is this historic fucking anal fissure, which they now have this tear among yeah, their they, they might, that they, they might, come back from. They might very well have lost uh, an, an election. 
badly off the but back of it. But, 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 but no worse than the election that they just lost to Boris Johnson, mm. which is which was a another referendum on Brexit. I mean, that election, the result was people going, no, we want fucking Brexit and we want it now, yeah. I think. I, I've said it so many times that, that you know, like when Trump got elected, uh, it took me four years to, I'd still, still on his last day, I would see him in front of the seal of the President of the United States and I'd go, this is mad and I can't get my head around it. Brexit um, woke up that morning going, you're kidding me. Um, but it took me a couple of days to just get my head around it and go, okay, okay, well, didn't see that coming. That's mad. We now need to get our house in order to ensure that we get a Brexit that is uh, a lefty one. Do you know what I mean? If you see what I mean. Yeah. Um, uh, because if we don't, we'll end up with some cunt like Boris Johnson in number 10 and look what can happen. Well, look so what I, 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 th- I think from a left wing point of view or from a Labour point of view, if, if from very early doors we'd have gone... Uh, okay, this is a bit of a shock. We're going to now present the electorate with a tangible Brexit and go, do you want this one or do you want their one? Which seems to be just wishful thinking and we hold all the cards. And I mean, I mean, it would have been possibly been better to have been taken out of the European Union by by not by the people that were pushing for it because the people that were pushing for it like the Farages, but particularly Boris, mm. really, um, they didn't know what they wanted. You know, we, 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 I think the problem with Brexit uh, is that we we were voting for something that wasn't a tangible concept. Mm. There were a hundred different ways to do it. Whereas in a referendum, you kind of want to vote for something, not against something, and then we'll see what happens. I get some stick on this that I haven't been dealing with some of the effects of Brexit. So let's talk about two here, because one of the problems is, is, is online you get you get the same thing is like people will hold up examples of complications caused by Brexit and, and use this thing about, well, there's not a single benefit. You know, there's not a single advice. It's only chaos. And and one thing they're ignoring is, is whatever's going on now is definitely not the chaos that they predicted. Right. Which is one reason for not overdoing it. And, and so we, we've got shortages, we've got lorry supplies. So on the one hand, I think, yeah, Brexiteers need to own that. Equally, no one was sort of saying, look, if you vote for Brexit and there's a pandemic, that that might also exacerbate a pre-existing shortage in lorry drivers, right? So that was not a discussed thing. But I do think that you have to say, right, this has been a negative of Brexit. On the other hand, we are seeing huge wage increases at uh, the lower end of the, the pay scale. You know, people have been on sort of a, a minimum wage for a long time. This was exactly the thing that, this is a problem when people on the left are just casually glossing over what should be their fucking home ground is that there's competition for labor, right? Labor shortage creates competitions, drives wages up at the lower end. I mean, like wages were stagnant for so long, the government had to effectively step in and raise the, the sort of threshold for income tax to basically sort of to, to sort of step in where companies weren't paying that. So so to you, I mean, like, how, how do you feel at the moment? Like, do you do you see that as a benefit of Brexit or are you does it make you cross when you see that there's a shortage of linseed oil in co-op in Hampstead Heath? Um I mean, I rarely go shopping for linseed oil in Hampstead Heath, is what I would say. <laughs> I mean, I, I, mean, I, I, I uh, remainer. I have noticed 
my shelves empty at the supermarket. I have really noticed it uh, in the last few weeks, like veg and stuff. Not, yeah. not that I eat vegetables, but I walk through the veg. <laughs> um, uh, I have to say, I find it difficult to find many upsides to, mm. to, to Brexit. For, for, against what we were promised. Against what... what I, I think that's the thing that... Um, Obviously, if you voted against, uh, if you voted to leave the European Union because you hate the European Union, we've mm. left the European Union. So that's mission accomplished in that well, I know, wide but I that's respect, really, right? That's but, really important that you say that because when you look at, like, when people say one benefit, if you view political independence as a benefit, you can't just discount that. For example, you know, when no, 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 yeah, and absolutely not. And that, that, okay, that is the benefit. Okay, mm. as far as I'm concerned, yes. Uh, Brussels is no longer making laws for us. Yes. Uh, so that's great. I guess in, in that respect, you know, and, and the majority of people who voted for Brexit, uh, it was a, an issue of sovereignty, nothing to do with immigration or all of that sort of thing. So, yeah, in that respect, fine. It, that, that is mission accomplished. I mean, I do a little bit in in, in the show that, that where I talk about why Pine would have voted to uh, leave not that he did uh, and you just you can feel it when you kind of go oh the, the European Union is a fiscally right-wing economic block with a horrible yeah. immigration policy you suddenly yeah. you've got all these Guardian readers in the audience go and I find it really bizarre that that argument was never really uh, this is the sort of arguments that Labour should have been uh, and, and well, it's upon a time, you know, like in in the early eighties, this that was the yeah. position. I mean, you look at the 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 stance that the EU have taken on Afghan refugees. You know, Mac Macron was shamelessly quickly in there, almost like he's got a presidential election coming up, really, and a strong right wing opponent uh, to, to to face. So that was all, I guess, a lot of people just wanted for a while was just an acknowledgement that, that the EU wasn't this kind of this kind of like peace corps. You know, it was anything. It was anything. Yeah, yeah, and and also it's just like I, I, you know, there was all of that. This sort of this this happy clappy gangbang in in Brussels. You're like, no, it's just a load of, you know, bankers playing soggy biscuit. Do you know what I mean? It's just <laughs> like it's 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 pretty grim, really. You know, I mean, and also this idea, well, you know, we won the. We won the Second World War for Europe. You kind of get no. You again. You you sort of yeah, mixing. Of you're mixing your concepts here, really. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, correlation is is not causation. So they sort of went, well. There's been peace since the EU, but so that must be why. I go. I think that the absolute devastation caused by the Second World War was probably a big. That was enough. Yeah, I think yeah, that, yeah, you know, yeah. For a long time, people were going, God, that fucking wars. We probably shouldn't have one of those. I don't yeah. think that they were thinking, God, that war was pretty bad. But also, God, how good is the bureaucracy here? Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I would that's what I mean. It's, it's like how do we how do we ensure that the likes of Hitler never return to Europe? Let's start up uh, an economic block. Um, something slightly lighter uh, to end. I, a couple of weeks ago, I spoke about things that Britain could be, other things but that Britain could be good at uh, in the Olympics. We talked about the woke Olympics. And uh, I, I got a few really good suggestions, but I really like this one, which is a sport called jumping on the bandwagon, which actually sounds like a sport. From R. Brown. I mean, that sounds I like, like that. A, <laughs> I love that. That sounds like an Olympic sport we could all excel at. I mean, it, it sort of occurs early in the morning, doesn't it? People get online, they just sniff the air. What's trending today? What could I have an opinion about today? Yeah. 
uh, I, I do I do a whole bit about it in the in the show about you know uh, there was what there was it's it's when are you allowed to call something a bandwagon and where aren't you and it probably yeah. talks about when when the me too thing came out that he just thought it was a bandwagon mm. but but subsequently because it's kind of true i think it's important when people should uh, admit to revising where they come from on certain aspects and yeah. he sort of reflects back on it and goes actually it did a fuckload of good yeah and yeah. and so and so that sort of cynical side to him kind of goes I was right to be cynical actually I was right mm. to be dubious of it because he like he says about Black Lives Matter it's like uh you know centuries of oppression and hate and violence hashtag I hear you Could, can <laughs> I go can I go back to just playing Candy Crush now do you know what I mean it just it doesn't really do oh, much. I mean, you, you know what I mean so, so do you remember the, the the celebs all turn in for Black Lives Matter turn because the thing about like, Black Lives Matter just, oh a long time just to work it all out. I took my time and it did affect me in the end, but I just took my time to understand it. But I remember a couple of days later, all the celebrity turned their Instagram squares black. I thought, but this is fucking embarrassing. Yeah. And also you, if I'm going to, if doing it, if the only reason I'm doing it is to prove to the Twitterati that I'm not a racist. Yeah. I'm sorry, then I'm out, I'm out of this whole conversation. Do you know what I mean? Because also then it proves that it isn't about showing support it's about demonstrating your woke credentials like what what i think that black lives matter highlighted from a lot of people was like a certain complacency like what i thought was like we've, we've done loads of great stuff it's all fine and the truth was we have done loads of great stuff but it wasn't all fine <laughs> if you yeah, absolutely i mean maybe it's the same with the me too thing it did make me look back and you go are there have there been times in my life where i behaved in a way that uh, I wouldn't behave in the future. And you go, yeah, there are two or three occasions. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Where I've probably uh, been unpleasant. Do you know what I mean? But no, you've uh, got and, to get on that bandwagon. You've got to kneel at the altar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got, you, you've, got to, you've got to make your apologies publicly. You've got to wash someone's feet. You've got to demand that your female co-star gets paid four times what you do. Otherwise, Tom, you're not fucking taking it seriously. Absolutely. And I, <laughs> and I agree with that. That's why I don't work with people, with, with yeah. women, because uh, I don't want to pay them more. Well, so far, you've never had a female co-star that got paid more than you, and that is a fact. No, I haven't. Or, or a male co-star. No one will work with me, quite yeah, frankly. I mean, like, so, yeah, so. we could just leave that out, but for, for posterity, yeah. Yeah. Tom Walker was, was an equal opportunities employer to himself. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Listen, mate. Thank you so much um, for coming on the show. It's been it's been amazing. So, tickets. Uh, are there any particular venues where it, you know you want to push it? Like we know Stoke. Any other ones for the tour? Stoke. Oh, right. There are some some weird. Um, uh, it's a set of bees. It's Blackpool. Mm. Brighton for some reason isn't play play, uh, which normally sells quite well. Blackpool. What's the other one? Blackburn. Yeah. Uh, Brighton and New well, Brighton. Brighton, they're all still self-isolating, mate. In fucking, I know, I know, I know. You know what they're like down there. You have got no chance. But um, mainly Birmingham and and Birmingham. There's a few left. Birmingham and Sheffield this weekend, which is all very exciting. And then uh, I'm doing eleven dates at the Bloomsbury in London. Which I'm eleven dates about. at the Bloomsbury. What a great venue that is. Uh, it's listen, lovely. Tom Walker, aka Jonathan Pye, which I'm legally obliged to say. You should just change your name to Akka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Akka Jonathan Pye. Yeah. So Jonathan Pye is the character, and my name is Akka Jonathan Pye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Akka Jonathan Park. <laughs> you just make it easier for me. Welcome to the show, Akka. Um, yeah, that'd be a good one for the local radio DJs to wrap their head around. Yeah. So, so let me get this straight. You changed Acker. your name. That is an absolutely loopy thing to have done. Uh, listen, thanks for uh, coming on the show, and we will see you again uh, next week on What Most People Think with another pro. pro- what a terrible way. Look, see you next week. Wow. Mate, that was bad, wasn't it? <laughs> you know. Thank you.